This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into a Friday edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Last episode, we brought up the M word. Recruiting momentum was a big deal for Penn State. It seemed like things were brewing. By the end of this week, they have more than doubled their recruiting class size. Three commitments coming today, another on Thursday. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you, breaking it all down today. Uh, again, seven commitments now on board for Penn State. They came into Thursday with three commitments total, and they matched that in about an hour span on Friday afternoon. We're going to get to the new faces that you need to know in this Nittany Lions class. We'll talk to Alan True, National Recruiting Analyst with 24-7 Sports. He is based in Michigan. A lot of this action is occurring in Michigan. He gives us the lowdown on all of that. And Sean, we've got plenty to talk about on Penn State Recruiting Trail. You're seeing a lot of Alan True around Lions 24-7 these days, not only with the guys that we mentioned, of course, that Detroit piece that we put up last week, uh, Jamari Budden's still out there, Rocco Spindler, uh, Donovan Edwards, the great running back uh, from West Bloomfield. You know, uh, Penn State has made Detroit a point of emphasis. Alan's been all over it. Steve Wiltfong's been all over it. Of course, Brian Doan helps us out. Everybody from the 24-7 Sports Network is a friend at our board, so we appreciate them. Um, you, my friend, I almost got coffee up my nose for you breaking out the M-word and then saying recruiting right away. Um, that caught me. Uh, I'm sure I'm not the only person, but uh, that was great. And also, uh, flashback to our last episode. Thanks again to Bud Elliott for joining us. We got a lot of feedback from uh, from having Bud on. Bud was fantastic, as he always is, and uh, pretty blunt about some things, as he always is. If, if you know if you know Bud, he doesn't mince words, and it's, it's great to have him, so we're definitely going to have him back at, at some point. We'll get him back on for sure. It was nice to catch up with Bud. Uh, and, and it was fun to see the feedback. I'm glad people picked up on his sarcasm. And if, if they didn't, I'm glad I mentioned it because he has a dry sense of humor. Um, so we have a lot to get it, to. It here. pairs well with the accent. Yeah, <laughs> we have a lot to get to here with Penn State's 2021 recruiting class because it has grown in a big way. And we figured we'd start with the most recent edition and then work our way backwards to, to the edition on Thursday. Uh, so we'll get to the Detroit area guys in a second, but we start in Maryland. And for the second time in two weeks, Sean, Penn State gets a four-star prospect out of that state. Uh, Landon Tengwall a couple weeks ago, the phenomenal offensive line prospect. And now it is an interesting, labeled an athlete recruit in Zaki Wheatley. And number 21 athlete in the country, a guy who's been recruited as a wide receiver, as a defensive back. Some teams see him as a corner, some as a safety. Number 308 overall in the composite rankings. Offered last June, went to a couple games last year in Beaver Stadium, including the whiteout. Uh, and this one seemed to get orchestrated pretty quickly. We anticipated the Detroit movement uh, going into this week as the week progressed. And then all of a sudden, Thursday night, we buckled up for another decision. It was a very good question in my chat last week. Said, which uh, position do you think might uh, start feeling the heat if some of these guys jump on? I said defensive back, and and that seems to be the case. The key Wheatley listed as an athlete. Penn State started re- recruiting him as a receiver has recruited him as a corner, but I see him as a safety. They see him as an eventual safety. Going to pair with Jalen Reed. Still some other guys on the board like uh, Derek Davis and Donovan McMillan and and some of those other guys. Um, but uh, yeah, Zaki Wheatley brings a long, long frame to the back four. Uh, he, he can run. He can turn and run. Um, you know, it's going to take a little bit for him to fill out. I think he's uh, listed at 180. It, it, that might be a little bit generous on that 6'2 frame, um, but a lot of schools like what they saw in him. Just very fluid movement movement from him 
guy that can uh, get get around back there. He's got some reach. This is one for Penn State that uh, we pegged as probably one of the early commitments in this class. A guy that uh, you know you could look at and say he was a Penn State lean from the start. I put my crystal ball in back in October, right around the whiteout, and I know I've been feeling that way for a long time. So for that to come back around, he hasn't been on campus I think since December. Um, so he hasn't been around this calendar year, but you know just always seemed to pop up, and it seemed like if Penn State decided they wanted to press, if Penn State wanted to move forward with with him in the class. I think that was a pretty safe bet. Uh, a lot of offers out there. I know, excuse me, he was a, a high high priority for schools like Wisconsin. I know Maryland was all over him. Notre Dame recently offered. So uh, a good pickup in Zaki Wheatley. Um, he's got, uh, you know, there's a lot to like about his game. He's so versatile. Uh, and that's really what you're looking to uh, to add to this roster right now. That's what he brings to the table. 50-plus catches, seven touchdowns last year, 800-plus receiving yards, uh, pretty productive on the offensive side of things, three interceptions on defense. And uh, this is a guy that, you're right, uh, I think I spoke with him last summer before uh, before he came up for, for a, a, an off-season visit. And, yeah, he just he was you know kind of a low-key guy when you look at the target board and a lot of the names we were talking about. There's a bunch of them in Maryland during this cycle. And I feel like his name you know maybe kind of got lost in the shuffle just a little bit. This is still a four-star talent. Uh, but you know he, he kept he kept saying after each one of these visits you know it feels right you know the, I, the coaching staff and I have this relationship and you know eventually here he, he, I think he came out with the top eight just a few weeks ago um, and again this is one where I think guys and, and and Bud talked about this on the last episode you know guys are realizing like do I want to hold out and, and do I want to kind of reset my recruitment and go back and figure out where I'm going to visit when I can visit. Or do I want to find a home, uh, kind of grab onto it, sink my teeth into it, and, and focus on that school while all this is going on around me and while my high school is getting shut down? And, you know, I think there's two ways to think about it. And, and I think more often than not, you're going to see more prospects the longer this pause goes on visits and general normalcy. I think you're going to see more guys say, you know, let me let me claim my spot in the class on, before that spot is not there. Now, there are certain guys the spot will always be there for in the recruiting cycle guys like Caleb Williams caliber and five stars and the door will always be open but I think right now there's something to be said for guys wanting to at least you know lock in something that is tangible for themselves when when there's a lot that's gone awry at the high school level maybe in their family life in their personal life and uh, across the country what we're dealing with I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, recruiting is, it's like climbing a mountain. You've got to get up there. And we always ask recruits after they commit, you know, what puts you over the top? And that's sort of what it is. You're cresting that mountain going, you know, going over the top and making your decision. I see a lot of people during this shutdown, maybe not quite making it to the top and making a decision just because they feel that they, you know, they're close enough or, you know, there's sort of that tipping point. Uh, I think personally, I think if we look nationwide, it's probably going to lead to some decommitments when this thing opens back up, some guys visiting some other schools or want to visit some other schools. And, you know, that, and that's just not a Penn State thing. I think that's going to be something we see across the country. But, you know, I think uh, Wheatley is a guy that, that, that we've pegged as a Penn State lean for a long time. I think there's been a, a significant, there was, you know, a very significant gap in there at one point, maybe closed a little bit as he began to look at some other schools, visit some other schools. But I think he's one of those guys just close enough to the peak where, you know, this this is something that put it over the top. And let's be honest, I mean, they're watching numbers as well. I mean, you know, Penn State's got a, a, a limited scholarships in this class and, and limited, you know, probably right around 20 in that area. But, uh, you know, Jalen Reed jumps on board. Kalen King, you know, becomes apparent that he's going to jump on board another defensive back. They're looking to take you know, five defensive backs in this class, maybe he says, all right, I'm close enough. I th- I'm pretty sure that's where I want to go. I'm going to put it over the edge and and go with it. And I think that's uh, that's what we saw here. And, you know, Penn State's going to move on. And, you know, all of a sudden, what, uh, four commits in a 24-hour span and you've got seven in the class. I mean, that's a that's a big jump to make in, in, a, in the span of a day. Speaking of jumps, you look at the composite class rankings right now across the country. Penn State, I know a lot of folks were concerned just a couple of weeks ago, holding two commits, maybe outside the top 50 of those rankings, somewhere around there. People are 
inching towards the panic button. Here we are now, uh, second week of April, seven guys on board, suddenly right in the top 12 range when you look at the recruiting classes. And um, like, like I told you before we recorded, leapfrog number 13 Rutgers to get there. I, I think that's the last time Rutgers will hold an edge over Penn State in this recruiting cycle, and it's still early. Some A lot of the teams you see up there will not be around at the end of this whole thing when the dust settles in December and February. But, you know, this has been where Penn State has been accustomed to being, top 15 range. And uh, I think all of a sudden people can start to back away from that panic button because uh, say what you will about Landon Tengwall, we said it could be a tone-setting kind of commitment. I'm not giving him all the credit, but uh, you know, clearly the, the floodgates have opened a bit for the Nittany Lions. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And if you look at uh, you know where some of these recruitment or some of these commitments are coming from, they've just flat out made Michigan a priority in 2021, and and, and they offer a lot of kids in Michigan every year. It's you know honestly you, you think it's pretty far away, but if you make that drive, it's not awful. I mean it's like it's like you know driving down to Virginia, um, you know parts of Virginia. Um, so it's not uh, it's not a horrible trip. Uh, good relationship. Tim Banks, who we're going to talk about earlier, obviously has the relationship at Detroit King where. where Jalen Reed was from, and of course, Cast Tech uh, is a is a big time producer of talent there as well. But they've made an uh, made it a point of emphasis. Uh, there's a lot of guys, and there's some guys that are still out there. I mentioned Donovan Edwards, Rocco Spindler, uh, his teammate Garrett Dellinger, um, and uh, just I, I think there's it, it's a really good year in the state of Michigan. They've picked a good time to to sort of strike while the iron's hot, and you've got a guy like Jalen Reed who Michigan did not offer. You know, Michigan State's you know at a crossroads right now with the new coaching staff and we'll see what happens with them. But uh, it's a really good time to slip in there and do it, do, do some damage in the, in the motor city. These two programs in Detroit, if you follow recruiting at the national level, at the big 10 level, you are familiar uh, with King High School and with Cast Tech, uh, there's no doubt about it. These are two heavyweights that perennial, perennially produce these Power Five players. And, and let's go from Archbishop Spalding in Maryland, which is where Zakee Wheatley uh, is a standout, uh, back up to Detroit now. And and Caleb, K- Kaylin King, Kobe King announced on uh, 24/7 Sports uh, live with us. Uh, great stuff there. You can go check that out up on the site. Um, but both these guys have been trending towards Penn State throughout the week. The crystal ball has been you know flooded. I, I think. Allen put in the first crystal ball last Tuesday, and by the time I woke up on Friday morning, there were 13 crystal balls pointing towards Penn State. Unanimously, uh, it comes to fruition here. They're the the second and third editions out of Detroit of the week. And one more note about Detroit before we get to the Kings, Sean. Why I love it is because we're guaranteed a trip there each year to see Michigan or Michigan State play Penn State, and I only got to get on one plane. There's a direct flight to State College. There are a few direct flights to State College, especially that will put you in striking distance of of another Big Ten community. I like that trip to Detroit. It is like close your eyes for a little bit. All of a sudden, you're you're back in the valley, and you're on your way home. Yeah, that's a leaping pad for me. So I'm, not, I'm more of a recreational travel than a than a work travel. But uh, yeah, it's great to to hop on a plane and be in Detroit in an hour. It's pretty great. Uh, but like I said, the drive is not bad either. So, uh, but Kalen King and Kobe King uh, are going to be lumped together. Obviously, twin brothers. Obviously, guys, uh, teammates, and guys that are committing on the same day. Uh, we'll start with Kalen King, number twenty four cornerback nationally. I'm a big fan of this kid. Uh, I think, you know, probably the best of the four uh, that committed in my eyes. So um, he's got ridiculous movement skills. Um, the hips are great. A 3.95 second shuttle. Um, really uh, like what he's got. He's got a 5.11 plus frame. Um, you know, going to fill out at some point. So I uh, really like what they got in Kalen King. I think he's uh, a guy that, that was prioritized by several staffs. I think you know, we talk about Penn State's corner board, and it was always Tony Grimes and Jordan Hancock who eventually committed to uh, Clemson. But Kalen King was not far behind those guys in the eyes of the staff. So um, a, a lot to I think this is probably a guy that the uh, coaching staffs that recruited him maybe a little bit higher on than uh, the recruiting services. We have him as a as a high three star. He's a composite four star. Um, so there's a lot to like about Kalen King. I think he's a playmaker in a couple different facets of the game. Cornerback all the way, loose hips, uh, great feet. Uh, I just I talked to some people this week, uh, really, really talked up Kalen King, and not just because he was going to Penn State. He's, he, they're a big fan of what he brings to the table. Is he an early uh, you know, impact type guy? I think that depends a little bit on the room. You've got four guys last year that, uh, that, that had freshman eligibility, so by the time Kalen King gets here, it's going to be a fairly full room. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think he's a guy that uh, – 
all things equal, is going to come in as one of the more talented corners that they've brought in in recent years. Really like his change of direction, which will serve him well. Uh, downfield coverage, dealing with some of the speed, more speedy guys across the country. And, and with him, you know, we talked so much about Keandre Lambert, that shuttle time last year that, that he produced on the opening camp circuit. Here's another freakish result, 395 in the shuttle for Kaelin King. That, that is that is a really special, special number um, and illustrates that ability to, for him to, to change direction, move on the fly, be able to shadow, mirror uh, a receiver that he's working against. And um, yeah, the cornerback class uh, that, that Penn State is going to be putting together here in 2021, certainly uh, a lot of a lot of potential, but they are following up what looks to be an, uh, an extremely high quality group in that room already. Terry Smith spoke highly of all those guys uh, recently, and, and we know what we saw from Keaton Ellis and we know what we saw from Marquise Wilson both those guys will be battling to replace John Reed in the starting lineup in 2020 and behind them we've heard very positive reviews uh you know away from the spotlight regarding Joey Porter Jr. Daquan Hardy two cornerbacks who couldn't be very uh any any more different uh in terms of their physique and and and, and the way they look uh but both of them seem to have bright futures in that room Trent Gordon has moved over to safety so uh it's going to be interesting because I, I think there there's a lot of room for growth from those four players you tack in uh this cornerback group and i know terry smith something that he's talked about before and it was when amani uh, oroorie was pre- uh, pre- preparing for the nfl draft a couple years ago last spring you know they would love to produce a first round pick at cornerback it's something that they have not done uh they're accruing this talent i know it's hard to correlate a, a top high school prospect and, and say three four years down the line it might be a first round pick but with the group they're putting together, and I, I include this 2021 class in that now, um, hey, maybe that guy's in the mix. Uh, you know, that, Maybe that's a shot in the dark, but I think they have assembled the kind of quality talent in that room where Terry Smith may find that player who, who you know breaks through and, and does get that label and something they can kind of toot their horn about on the recruiting trail. Also have a crystal ball in for Dejon Warren at Lackawanna, who's a guy right. that you know is going to is going to be the number one corner nationally among junior college players. And you look at that room and you think, do they need a junior college guy in there? No, numbers wise they don't. But this kid's really, really freaking good. Um, so they're 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 excited about him. And uh, Penn State seems to be in a good spot with him. Kalen King, another thing to add to that, thirty four inch vertical um, has been tested in a combine. So. You get Kalen King, which I think, again, I think he's the best of the four that they got in the last 24 hours. Uh, can't say enough about Kalen King. His brother Kobe, a little bit different, about six foot, a half inch, 230 pounds. Uh, he's a middle linebacker, and we've talked about this a bunch. Uh, Penn State doesn't recruit a ton of strictly middle linebackers. You think uh, Ellis Brooks, you think Jason Cabinda type when you're talking about Kobe King. Uh, what's interesting to me, and, and we'll talk about this with Alan True a little bit later, um, Alan, when I asked about the Kings, he said, you know, if you go to watch a Cast Tech game, you probably come away thinking that Kobe's the prospect. And, and what I mean by that is Kobe may, Kobe's a really good high school player and he makes some plays and he does a lot of things consistently well. Maybe doesn't have the ceiling that his brother has or some other guys at the position have um, because, you know, he's, you know, he doesn't move. He's kind of in the box, uh, you know, sort of pigeonholed as a middle linebacker. Um, doesn't move as well as some of those other guys. Um, but, uh, you know, he's a, he's a good football player. He looks great. Um, I don't know how much room he has to grow from that 230, 235 on that frame, um, but he's going to be that thumper that you want in the middle and uh we'll see what happens with with his development i think that there's certainly things that that he can work on but uh good floor as a football player don't know that he's an early impact guy but uh you know he's he's a pretty good football player a linebacker who excels going downhill and and with that you oh he's wonder. yeah he's he's downhill yeah. all the way i mean there's no question about it i mean it's he's a straight up mike stop the run type guy and yeah, at six foot and a half inch, uh, you know, maybe he gets to six one. Who knows? Maybe he closes in on six two. I don't know where the genetics are for him moving forward. But he's not going to have that length that we've seen from some of the other prospects they've brought in at the position. And I, you know, with a player like this uh, and and the way we've described them, you wonder how many downs can you feel comfortable playing him out in the football field? Is he a guy that you can you can have out there on third down in, in passing situations? And uh, we know that Brent Pry can mix and match. We know they'll go two linebackers. And, you know, that's all to be seen down the line. But I'm with you. I think Kalen King uh, is the guy who you, you project to have that higher ceiling at the next level of football. But, you know, no one should be scoffing or, or thinking this is some kind of, well, if you want one, you got to take the other. 
you know, let me tell really quickly, back at Rutgers, Jason McCourty was the guy that Rutgers really wanted. Devin McCourty was the guy they didn't offer initially. Uh, people were wondering if, if they should offer. Ended up signing both of them the year before I, I, I was at Rutgers. I think everyone knows where Devin McCourty is. He's a guy who's, who's knocking on the door of Hall of Fame candidacy um, with the New England Patriots and what he's done there. So that's my twin story uh, I figured I'd bring to the table, Sean. And uh, I guess I've hit my quota with two mentions of Rutgers today, so I will stop there. Um, we'll move on to the other Detroit pickup, and that was the first of the week. And it seems like a while back, but it was only 5 p.m. on Thursday, Sean. Uh, Jalen Reed committing to Penn State. Again, a guy who was projected to end up uh, in Happy Valley by all crystal ball picks. So no surprise at the end of, of that recruitment. And this is a player where you turn on the highlight film. If you like watching a, a physical safety that, that's going to intimidate uh, potentially the, the opposing sidelines and, and guys running downfield, looking for the ball. This is your man. Uh, you mentioned the phrase thumper with, with Kobe King. I think you can apply that also with Jalen Reed. He forced eight fumbles last year. He had 111 total tackles. Um, I think 11 of those were behind the line of scrimmage. Six sacks. He gets after it. It's a fun film to watch. Um, and this is a, you know, a guy who follows Enzo Jennings to campus. This is back-to-back years where Penn State lands a blue-chip safety out of Michigan. No doubt. I think uh, the other day, or, or maybe it was on the board, we compared him to Marcus Allen when you're talking about tape. Uh, he's a run support guy, I think, all the way. I think he's got uh, some work to do on his coverage skills, which, you know, playing in Detroit City, probably not tested by a ton of uh, big-time passing attacks. So I think that's one thing that, you know, probably brings him down a little bit from his coverage skills, his rating and all that. But Man, when it, he can find a football and go get it, and and I enjoyed watching his tape. Uh, not because he's not the best safety that I've ever seen on tape, but man, he gets the ball very quickly. Um, can can locate it. Uh, you know, is not fooled by a ton of play action and, and fakes and all that kind of stuff. Gets the ball, finds the ball, goes and and, and seeks it out, and and he finishes as well. So uh, really impressed with Jalen Reed. I think we talked about him uh, on the episode earlier this week. Uh, it's all running together, two two of these a week. Um, but uh, a really good pickup for Penn State to, to start that safety class. Like I mentioned, a couple of other guys that are out there in addition to Wheatley, uh, Derek Davis. Thought there's a there's a point of emphasis for the staff in in 2021. There were only a couple in in such a small class, a couple of positions that you could circle as hey, we we need to throw numbers at those as a staff. Uh, safety was one of those. Defensive end, obviously, another one. Um, but safety, a huge priority for Penn State in this cycle. Another note at the defensive backfield, uh, we learned this week Tony Grimes cutting his list down to eight. No surprise, Penn State on that list. He's visited a couple times this past winter. He's frequently mentioned getting to campus for an official visit. We'll see if that happens. Maybe not as uh, set in stone as it once was, but uh, another note there, something brewing in the defensive backfield. And this leads me to to address something that we talked about right before uh, we started recording. You're getting some momentum here in the defensive backfield. Picked up a couple safeties. Liam Clifford, uh, committed last October, Sean's little brother. Uh, he's listed as an athlete. You mentioned this right off the bat upon his commitment. He is being recruited by Penn State uh, with the possibility for wide receiver and for defensive back. Um, we saw him at wide receiver at an Indy Lions camp last summer. I thought he was fantastic. Ultimately earned an offer and he had good company. Other power five receivers uh, there that day. He fit in very well for himself as a rising junior. Do you think we're starting to see now some gravitating towards Locking in Clifford a bit more on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean he he's a receiver in, in my eyes. I, mean, I know we have him listed as an athlete. He could could I think conceivably play safety if they needed him to, if the numbers dictated it. But the way that they're recruiting and they've got two safeties in the boat right now, um, still going off on some other or still still in on some other ones as well. I don't think they're going to get to that. I still I see why he's recruited as an athlete. But you you said it. We saw him in camp last year. He was fantastic as a wide receiver, um, right up there with some of the other guys that they take in uh, like Norval Black. I think he was at the same camp as Norval Black and Malik Mega and a couple of other uh, D1 receivers and, you know, stood out as much as anybody else. So, um, no, I, I see him as a receiver. I don't, I don't want to say all the way because that athlete tab is still on him. But, uh, yeah, I, I see him as a receiver at the next level and, and pretty confident in that one right now. Well, Detroit has been a big theme 
uh, for Penn State this week, and and a big theme in Detroit for Penn State has been Tim Banks. He is an uh, I think you said this earlier. He, his alma mater is the same program that produced Jalen Reed, uh, King High School. So that's very cool to be able to go back, recruit your old high school, bring in a player of this caliber, and bring him into your positional room. We asked Tim Banks uh, on Thursday morning when we had him on a virtual conference call, which we appreciate Penn State for, for giving us these coach co- coaching conversations uh, considering these circumstances. But Banks was great, talked about a lot of stuff. But one thing that our very own Mark Brennan brought up was the Detroit recruiting success. And as you can hear in this audience, audio clip it's something that's personal to him and it's something that he does not take for granted well i mean i think it is a competitive area in in general you know i think if you're in the midwest which is you know big 10 footprint you know you're you're fighting all the you know the major players and you know obviously yeah you know i grew i grew up there you know i played in the area um you know i've coached in the area you know i think that's awesome but at the same time you know you you still have to do a great job of, of vetting the right people um, making sure that the kids truly understand, you know, what Penn State brings to the table. So it, it is a challenge. You know, I don't take it for granted because that's where I'm from. Um, you know, I know the young men that come out of that area, you know, a lot of them are very blue collar and, you know, hardworking and, you know, are just looking for an opportunity, um, you, you know, to continue to grow not only, you know, as, a, as an athlete, but obviously, you know, academically. And, you know, I feel like obviously Penn State gives that, in spades. So, you know, I feel like we have a really good product to sell and a great opportunity um, to sell. And a lot of kids have obviously been receptive to that. And, you know, but, you know, again, just not taking it for granted and continuing to, you know, go in and, and act like the area is new to me, if you will, and, and turning over every stone, um, making sure that, you know, I'm evaluating every guy, whether, you know, he has any, has no offers or, or has all, many offers. Just, just continue to recruit as hard as I possibly can. I think it's given us an opportunity to be successful. Beyond the three commitments who came on board this week, there's a lot more brewing in Detroit. You're going to hear all about that in a moment from Alan True, who covers the area, covers the whole Big Ten landscape and the nation for 24-7 Sports Recruiting Network. He sits down with us, breaks down the commitments, the targets, and more in just a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the Lions 24-7 podcast. As promised, 24-7 Sports' Alan True going to join us now on the hotline. Alan, uh, you've been a busy man lately, especially on Lions 24-7, so we, we appreciate your contributions, and we appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. I was originally supposed to be on spring break with my kids this week, so uh, I, I guess I'm glad that I'm not trying to cover all this from Disneyland. Yeah, I'm glad that you're not either. That would be, uh, be very... Uh, inconvenient for me which obviously is is not something that anybody wants to do so um but uh no thanks for coming on three commitments out of your area this week of course started all off with jalen reed on thursday and then friday the king twins kalen and kobe hopping on board uh we'll start with jalen reed uh we talked about him a little bit earlier on the show uh guy that brings it as a safety uh certainly run support is no issue for him uh, we have him as a four-star prospect on 24 7 sports and in the composite what do you think of uh penn state picking up jalen reed well, he's just uh, he's just an outstanding football player, and uh, how you know how our rankings kind of work is us regional guys bring guys like Jalen to the national table when we think they need to be four star prospects, and he was actually one of the guys that I wasn't entirely sure would blow away our national staff because he's five eleven six foot, he's not six two six three, he's not a guy with dazzling track times. Um, 
But they put on the film and they were like, man, this guy's a great football player. Uh, he, he's absolutely a four-star guy. And, and that's what I had seen with him. Every time I went to a King game, he was making plays. Every time I saw him in seven-on-seven, seven, he was making plays. And then he went to some camps this offseason. And, you know, I, I don't know if his profile was one where you expect him to do really well in shorts and T-shirts covering slot receivers one-on-one, um, you know, in a wide-open kind of camp setting. And he did that really well. So I think he's fits what a lot of schools want these days, where if you're trying to match up with offenses that are multiple, you need a guy who can play in the box, but also step out and cover a slot. Uh, he's that perfect kind of strong safety hybrid that can play a little bit of backer as well. And uh, that's what they use him at as King. And that's at King. And that's what I'm led to believe he's going to do for Penn State. Moving on, uh, the King Twins just committed a little bit ago uh, on 24-7 Sports. guy that uh, I was raving about earlier in the show, Kalen King, really like what he can bring to the table as a cornerback, elite change of direction, really uh, light feet. Uh, what do you think of Kalen King? And, and, you know, I have him as the, you know, the four commits that they've gotten in the last day. I have him as my personal number one. What do you think of Kalen King? He is uh, just an outstanding man-to-man cover corner um he he won positional mvp at the opening regional in ohio last year which that's like i said with jalen reed is really like that event is all man-to-man coverage um, in a you're on an island setting and not only did he do that well he ran a 395 shuttle which i believe stood as one of the faster shuttles in the entire country not only at that event then you go into the season and the year before uh, he didn't play much offense, but as a junior with them graduating some guys, he got a chance to play offense, scored 14 touchdowns as a return man and a wide receiver. And that kind of allowed us to see maybe some of the ball skills uh, that we hadn't previously gotten to see as much when when teams weren't challenging him as a corner. So I'm with you. I think uh, Kalen is a really, really good player. I think, um, you know, he fought. they're also really well-schooled at cornerback at Cast Tech. I know you guys got one on the roster up there in Donovan Johnson, but they've got a bunch of other guys running around at colleges and uh, in the NFL that have played there. So he's, he comes in from a really good technical standpoint also. His brother, uh, kind of different when you talk about projections. Uh, Kobe King's a fantastic high school player, uh, maybe a little bit limited in the next level in terms of position versatility and things like that. Uh, what's Penn State getting in, in Kobe King? Yeah, he, he he's talked a little bit about how Penn State may try him at the will, but it, it's likely going to be Mike, and that's what I think he is. You know, And, and you kind of touched on it there. He's probably not a guy who you could move around a lot, but he is a classic, true middle backer. Um, and the, I, I went to their first game last year and I thought Kobe was arguably the best player on the field that day when you, when you left that game it was a game they lost actually, but he made, uh, he was in on every single tackle and kind of like Kalen, uh, as a sophomore, Kobe didn't really play a lot of offense. So it was hard to sometimes get a gauge for his athleticism. Well, last year he ended up playing tailback. He got hurt, but in their playoff run, he played a lot more in the backfield and became one of their primary ball carriers. And I think that that really showed us that he was maybe a little bit undervalued in terms of his athleticism. So he's got good feet, doesn't have any uh, timed 40s or, or anything like that on file, but was a guy who, when he went to a cast tech game, he was definitely getting from point A to point B and finding the football. So um, like you said, maybe not the the greatest like shorts and T-shirts kind of guy but i think that uh there's there's real reason for him for there to be excitement over him i think he kind of got maybe undervalued a little bit during his junior year we've been talking a bunch in the last week of course we put out that piece uh over a week ago that said penn state starting to get hot in detroit uh you and i immediately touched base uh over a couple of things we talked about jalen reed and the kings and then we moved on uh, what kind of impact can this have on some other guys? We've talked a bunch on the site this week about Jamari Budden, the linebacker from Belleville. Of course, there's some other guys out there in Michigan that Penn State's made a priority as they sort of uh, emphasize what what Detroit and the surrounding areas have to offer at this cycle. Yeah, I think it can have a big impact. I mean, I think it, it has definitely impacted Jamari. I think those guys did make a run at trying to say, like, well, you just announce with the three of us that that hasn't happened. And I don't think he's ready to do that. But it's certainly impacted him to where I think Penn State has moved uh, at least 
into the two spot there, if not into the top spot, depending on who you talk to. They're running neck and neck, I think, with Michigan at this point. And I do think that it has the uh, potential to impact other guys, Rayshon Benny um, and, and some other guys that are on the board. And I do think that this goes back to further than just this class, though. It goes back to K.J. Hamler, Donovan Johnson, Lance Dixon, Enzo Jennings, um, Penn State recruiting Michigan isn't new, but I do think they've turned up the heat a little bit more in this cycle. You've got other guys in that area, of course, uh, sort of the reset with Donovan Edwards, the talented running back from West Bloomfield. Lance Dixon's on campus for Penn State from West Bloomfield. They've obviously not been a stranger there, but really weren't in the mix. Uh, you know, basically when Edwards looked like he was on the verge of committing to Ohio State, he's kind of stepped back from that. Now Penn State trying to make a run there. Yeah, he has stepped back. He's uh, he's very open to things. I think he's still kind of searching for something that's going to just hit him over the head and, and say, like, this is the school for me. Um, I don't I don't know that he I don't think he has that right now. Um, I, I think Georgia just getting uh, another a top running back commit um, that may affect him. I think it will affect him. So as I'm kind of analyzing things, and this is more of an educated guess than anything Donovan or anyone close to him has told me, I think Penn State is the school that most has an opportunity here to take advantage of this time where he's a little bit uncertain and searching for something. I think Penn State offers him um, the the running back tradition and the development at that position that he's searching for. He obviously has some connections out there with Lance being there and some other Michigan guys. Also, in contrast to some of the other schools that I think he's looking at, like Georgia or uh, somebody brought up Oklahoma recently, if you go to Penn State, you're not right there close to home, but you're close enough and you're going to play back close to home a couple times. So I think when you put all of that together, to me, Penn State is, is I, I was saying dark horse for a while, but knowing some of his criteria, I think Penn State's a school that can really, really make a push here. Uh, moving out to, into the suburbs a little bit at Clarkson, Penn State after two offensive linemen, Garrett Dellinger and Rocco Spindler is the guy that we've been focusing on the most. Both of those guys were on campus in early February. Penn State seems to be, you know, we've got the LSU crystal ball for Dellinger, but uh, Spindler, Penn State seems to be at least wedging themselves into that battle right now. It, it wouldn't surprise me to see Penn State finish second for both of those guys um, and to even have gotten themselves into the position where they're now one of the top two or three schools for the, for the two of them. I think Phil Troutwine's done a really good job and I think uh, benefited a little bit from being able to come in new and say, we're going to start fresh and I'm going after you guys hard. I mean, they, he prioritized those guys pretty much from the beginning and I think it's made an impact with them. Will it make enough of an impact to where he lands one or both of them? Right now, I'm not favoring that, but they've at least put themselves um, not only in the game, but I think in in true contention as one of the top two or three schools for both of those guys. And, and that's in a very short period of time. Uh, what What is it about what they do out there? We just heard from Tim Banks in terms of what his connections are like out there, but what have they really done? I know this is a very good cycle for Michigan um, in, in the state uh, talent-wise. What have they done to sort of prioritize some of these? And, and, and really, when you take a look at what Penn State's done out there, you've got uh, West Bloomfield, you've got Cass Tech, King, you've got Oak Park. It's just a, a handful of schools where they've done really well um, in in being visible. So what what has Penn State really done in Detroit and the sa- surrounding areas to sort of capture this momentum? Well, I think they've been they've just they're personable guys for one thing, and I think um, they've done a good job of recruiting some of these guys from an early point, even if they hadn't offered them right away as freshmen and sophomores. They were recruiting these guys, and I also think they've done a good job of getting those guys to campus. There was a Junior Day weekend in January um, that both the King twins were at. Jalen Reed was at There's a bunch of pictures of those guys out on a snowy Beaver Stadium. Um, and they've tried to get as many of those guys up for whiteouts and other you know, spring game last year. Um, and so they've just continued to kind of chip away. And then I, I think they've also Tim Banks get rightly gets a lot of credit for this. But there's been a multi pronged attack towards those kids. When you talk to the King twins and you talk to Jalen Reed, they're talking about Terry Smith also. They're talking about Brent Pry also. They're talking about James Franklin also. So it's not like they're like, hey, Banks, you take this and you just deal with those kids. Um, those kids had relationships with multiple members of the staff. 
Yep, that's uh, it, it's been an interesting one to follow for sure. Alan True has been all over it. He's our Midwest analyst at 24-7 Sports, national recruiting analyst. Also, uh, on March 10th, hit number one on the comedy charts on iTunes with a cry for help. So if you didn't know, Alan, uh, stand-up comedy ace. I, 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 I think that that's something that, you know, you hear from you on the podcast. You don't really think stand-up comedy, but uh, that you seem to have found your niche there. I kind of turn it on and off for for the day job. And uh, so, but no, that was pretty cool. And I thank you to everybody who's listened and bought it. I kind of expected every single kid that I've ever rated as a two or a three star to go on iTunes and give me two stars, but that hasn't happened yet. So I guess I'm doing something right there. Dark comedy right there. But Alan, thanks for joining us. Uh, We always appreciate your insights. Probably going to hear more from you during the cycle, but thank you for joining us. No problem, Sean. Thanks for having me. Great insight from Alan. Encourage you to check out his podcast that he co-hosts with Steve Wiltfong, the Notorious B1G Podcast. Uh, They do a great job covering Big Ten recruiting on on a weekly basis, but this one in particular, uh, they sat down with Jalen Reed, as you heard there in the interview, uh, went over the the reasons why he committed to Penn State, what he brings to the class, and what his expectations are moving ahead. So thanks to Alan. Sean, thanks to you. You put up a nice piece of content earlier this week. Most wanted offensive targets Moving ahead, which is is a nice setup for us because we just spent the entire uh, opening 40 minutes or so of this uh, conversation breaking down the new defensive additions for Penn State from the week. Let's get offensive here and let's start at quarterback. And by the by the time by the time people get to this point and, and hearing this podcast, I think they can guess who the pair oh, is. No doubt. And by the way, staying one step ahead as always, uh, definitely on purpose. Um, but yes, uh, Penn State's most wanted. It starts with Caleb Williams. I don't think there's any question about that. But Christian Veyu, pretty big target for Penn State. And I, I mean, honestly, uh, would I don't know that they are putting more effort into it, but I think it's probably pretty equal between the two. I mean, Caleb Williams, as we've said before, uh, seems to be a pretty strong lean to Oklahoma at this point. You know, you're not going to get him on campus anytime soon because of the shutdown. And you've had Christian Veyu on campus a couple of times. And, you know, you speak to uh, commits, you speak to, you know, people around the program. They, you know, still seem pretty confident in uh, Penn State's chances with Veyu. Um, You know, someone even suggested this week that the competition, even with the Clemson offer, is still Duke. So, uh, you know, you, you got to uh, feel a little bit confident. You know, you just didn't go out and hop on the Clemson offer. And this is a, a situation where I think you're going to see him stretch it out as long as he can take those official visits. But, you know, Penn State not out of it by any means with Christian Veyu. And he still continues to be, to me, the most realistic quarterback target out there. And as we compare and contrast these two quarterbacks, I'll once again bring it up. One of these guys, Christian Veyu, has been on campus and sat down with Kirk Shiraka since he got the job as offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. The other, Caleb Williams, has not. That was supposed to happen next week, actually. And as you know by now, no one's taking recruiting visits anywhere. So that's a piece of this puzzle as well. Running back, there's a lot of names to get to. And I, and we've mentioned this before. They may not be the names that you anticipated, but that seems to be a theme cycle after cycle. Uh, you know, last year especially, I don't know how many people, including you, Sean, had Two Florida running backs, Keziah Holmes and Kevon Lee, pegged as the running back signees in December, even at this point of the year, April 2019. Uh, here we are. You mentioned Donovan Edwards. He's a guy that I caught up with for a bit uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, saying Penn State really starting to engage with him more, but he's got a lot of engagement across the country. Michigan Wolverines fans are going to pull their hair out if he leaves uh, the state as well. Uh, but you know, it seems like Penn State could make a move here. But uh, you know, he's he's a tricky one to get a read on. You made me curious, by the way. Uh, Kevon Lee's uh, official visit to Penn State last year, which honestly was really the first time he had come onto the radar. In a third week to, of April, April twenty sixth. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so we weren't even discussing him talking about him in passing at this time last year so crazy things can happen because i homes a little bit different we talked about him uh on the site for a while before his june official visit uh but uh yeah it's uh it's wide open in terms of running back donovan edwards you know i think is the guy that they would you know label as a top priority um they've done so in the last couple of weeks when he sort of reset his recruitment after trevion henderson and evan Pryor committed to ohio state but uh yeah i mean this is one that they've got some work to do to get back into it I mean, you you really, you, you know, if you're Penn State, you hope he actually did reset his recruitment and you get a chance to to sort of uh, slip through that window, maybe get an official visit set up for after the after the uh, the break or the shutdown is over. And if you do that, you've got a shot. Um, it's interesting. 
because we listed four guys here. And really, you know, you can make arguments for and against every single one of these guys, or you can make some arguments from guys, some guys that we didn't list here. Corey Kiner out of Cincinnati seems to be feeling the love. He hasn't been on campus. Amari Daniels, I think they're running number two to Texas A&M right now. He hasn't been on campus, which, by the way, I watched this film this week. He was uh, he was fun to watch. He's about 5'8", 195, a little bowling ball, and, and he can get some things done down there in South Florida. And Malik Newton, who's about 5'11 and a half, 225, um, you know, he's a, he's a big bowling ball. He's a, he's, a, he's a traditional big back. Steve Wilfong put in a crystal ball for Penn State for him this week. So sort of all over the board um, at running back. Excuse me. I don't think you have to be in any real hurry to go out and grab one. I think you can try and play up Edwards as long as you can to get him on campus. I think he's phenomenal talent. Some also some other guys out of the region that you're tracking. Um, just offered a kid in Texas last week. Uh, so I mean, you've got uh, you've got options out there. None of them seem to be particularly strong at this point because, uh, like I said, you can make uh, arguments for and against uh, all these guys. But, I mean, there's really no rush to add a running back. And, and a couple of years ago, when, when they set out to maybe not add a running back in this class, they ended up getting Journey Brown in December. So, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's a couple sides to this uh, in every which way, and we'll see which way it falls. And I don't think it's going to be one that's, uh, that's sort of sewn up anytime soon. Corey Kiner um, and Amari Daniels back in February put Penn State on, on their top schools list. I think Daniels was four schools, and Kiner may have been 10, but Kiner last year, 40 total touchdowns in 12 games. I, li- I like Amari Daniels. He's, he's a little different than, than what they've got on campus, which is saying something because they have a lot on campus at running back. You mentioned uh, his size, and, and it's, it's fun to watch a smaller back run you know, compact and just you know run guys over, surprise defenders, and four touchdowns in the state title game. And also... If you're going to go for a running back in South Florida, why not go for one at Miami Central? Dalvin Cook, Devontae Freeman, Willis they've done, McGahee. They've done okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's it's a nice little track record they put together there. So, hey, like you said, it's 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 kind of a pick em right now at running back, and until we get visits resumed and find out who's booking their official visits, because, again, a lot of these guys outside the region, it's not a, a manageable car ride for some of them. Ohio, Michigan, all right, but we're talking about Texas, Florida, Alabama. Uh, th- that's, that's certainly more of a trek that you, you want to get on a plane, maybe have the expenses free experience from an official visit uh we'll see what happens there wide receiver another spot where you know again we think Liam Clifford is going to end up in that room for a while it looked like Dante Thornton was going to be a part of this class and heck maybe he will be Landon Tengwall certainly struck an optimistic tone recently put Penn State in his top group but he's on top of the board he is not alone among Maryland wide receivers, though. That's that's a spot. That's a state that we talked about earlier. Two commitments in the past couple of weeks. They're looking for some now at wide receiver. Uh, and and it's really the same guys that have been on the board. Jaleel Farouk, whom you know I, I'm a big big fan of. Jaleel Farouk um, as an all around wide receiver, and Caden Prather, who put out his top five. We talked about him on the first episode earlier this week. I mean, those to me are the three guys. And and it, it's interesting because in my chat this week, I was asked, you know, have you seen any different sort of tendencies or or particulars in any position group that the new coaches, uh, the new assistants have sort of pinpointed as as traits that they like? And when you look at receivers, I mean, pretty much across the board, every class, no matter who the coach is, going to be about the same guys offered uh, every cycle. So don't really see a ton different there. So I think Taylor Stubblefield will be more than happy to, uh, you know, adjust his coaching style to coach Dante Thornton, Jaleel Farouk, and Caden Prather. Uh, we'll see. That remains to be seen if that happens. A couple of other guys are threw in there. Andrew Anthony, a guy that you talked to about a potential official visit in June. Another Michigan kid. This one out of East Lansing, so barking up a different uh, Big Ten tree there. Um, and Braylon Brown has been on the uh, the radar forever for Jaywan Sider at Shamana Madonna, which is where John Dunmore is from. Um, questions on his, I, I don't think anybody knows really how fast Braylon Brown is. Um, really haven't seen a ton of times out there and the ones that are out there don't really, uh, aren't really very encouraging. Um, so curious to see where that comes down. He's an all American, uh, excuse me, an under, under armor, all American, um, four star kid on the composite, but you kind of wonder, you know, does he have the speed to play at the next level? And I, I think for that, I think you have those three Maryland guys that are at the top of the board. And then you have a, you know, a little drop off to some of these other guys, including Anthony Brown and some other guys that are still out there on the board. Braylon Brown, as you mentioned, at Shamanad Madonna Prep, and that is also where you'll find Terrence Lewis, the five-star linebacker who puts Penn State in his top six. 
last Saturday. You mentioned uh, Andrew Anthony. I did do a follow-up with him. He had to cancel his initially uh, scheduled official visit at Penn State. That was for the final weekend of May. And that, as of right now, the dead period, the emergency dead period extends right to the end of May. We're all hoping it's not going to go further, but we certainly have no idea. He is targeting now mid-June, maybe the third weekend of June, which is up against the end of what we know is the early official visit window. We don't know if there's going to be any kind of alterations made there, but uh, very diligent on getting it done, getting to Penn State for an official visit, which tells me uh, they are very much at the forefront of a recruitment that has a lot of Big Ten schools involved. This is a kid who lives in East Lansing, so he's sharing a neighborhood with a Big Ten team in the the Michigan State Spartans. Um, But I can tell you what, he was paying close attention to these other D these other Michigan players popping this week and ending up in the Penn State class, very engaged with each of them on social media. And I think if he's able to get to Penn State this summer, I would not be surprised if he ends up in this class before his senior season. But I think a lot is in play for him. If he can't make visits, it's going to go into the fall. But he would really, in an ideal world, I think, wrap up his recruitment before September. Yeah, and the, and there's other guys that uh, you know aren't close to making that decision. It's like we talked about earlier. Are you, are you close to the peak? Are you close to you know going over the top, or you need more time? And if you need more time, you're going to be in a you know it's going to be a pretty big boat, but you're going to be in the same boat as a ton of other prospects who got to get out and see some schools, and 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 they're going to have to do something to adjust the recruiting period in the summer. They're going to have to figure out you know they still don't know you know if they have football or or I just I there's so many unknowns out there right now. But it's going to have to change at some point, and it's going to have to uh, sort of rework the calendar for a lot of these kids. Penn State picked up one of the top offensive linemen in the country in late March, adding Landon Tangwall. They have their sights set high for this 2021 class with Phil Troutwine uh, leading the charge and Tyler Bowen playing a key role as well in a lot of these cases. And a couple of five stars headlined your list of uh, priority offensive line targets. Familiar names for our listeners, Nolan Rucci, Tristan Lee. I mean, those are the guys, right? I mean, there's really no Absolutely question about. Absolutely, are we yeah. have a we have a bunch of guys listed here, but it's going to keep going back to: Are you successful with Rucci and Lee? Um, for for all intents and purposes, I see Clemson Penn State battles for both of those guys. I think uh, Clemson holds the edge for Lee. I think it's a little bit closer with uh, Nolan Rucci, but uh, they're five star tackles for a reason. Everybody wants them, so uh, two two tremendous prospects there. Uh, Got to get both of them back on campus, as we mentioned. You had canceled visits for. Uh, for Rucci, two of them in the spring. And, you know, that's something that they're going to have to address whenever this thing opens back up because he hasn't been on campus to meet Phil Troutwine. Likewise with Tristan Lee. I mean, you think, I, I, I think Tristan Lee, a little bit closer to making that decision. So if he decides during the uh, the break, it's not good for Penn State, it's not good for anybody but Clemson. Um, so you got to get him back on campus. You got to get that uh, relationship, you know, to take the next step. And, it, and it's interesting because these guys have met Phil Troutwine. Phil Troutwine was around to their schools, said hello, all that kind of stuff. And January. So they've met him, but to meet him on campus is kind of a, a, a next step, a different feel. You can sit down, you can watch tape, you can get an idea of, you know, his coaching style, his teaching style. And it's a big difference from bumping into him in the hall and saying hello, than you know, sitting down with him in his office and talking. And that's why it's such a valuable thing to get him back on campus. And that's why, you know, really would have loved to get those guys back uh, in state college in January, but it just did not work out that way. Tangwall specifically mentioned both Rucci and Lee as guys that he's working on. I think specifically with him, Lee is a bit more personal relationship. Those guys have spent time together. They're in the same region, and I think you know that's one maybe where he could have some pull, at least at least at least to some degree as things move forward. Keep him thinking Penn State the further he stays away from campus because of the situation. And then you got a, a quite a list here, Sean. I mentioned them all here on the podcast rundown. And surprise, surprise, we circle back to three Michigan offensive linemen on this list. Guys that have been on campus in the last couple of months, Garrett Dellinger and Rocco Spindler out of Clarkston were both on uh, the junior day at February 1st, I believe it was. Rayshon Benny came the weekend of January 18th. And that's one thing, if you remember when we were talking about those guys back in January, there was a big snowstorm that weekend. So you had Jalen Reed, Kalen King, Kobe King, and uh, Rayshon Benny make that drive in the snowstorm. So if you want to talk legitimate interest, you can see that uh, you can see that one coming. Rayshon Benny, I think Penn State's in that second group of his. Uh, Michigan is obviously a school that's going to be reckoned with there. Iowa has done some good things in that state as well. 
So uh, Penn State probably in that second group. Dellinger, uh, the crystal ball says LSU, and I, I think he's a strong LSU lean. Another one of those guys where if he decides during the, the shutdown, you know, it's probably going to be LSU. We'll see what happens there. And Spindler, you know, Penn State seems to be making up ground for that one. I think it's still going to be a tough pool. I mean, a lot of things going against Penn State uh, there. I think Notre Dame is in a pretty good spot. Michigan still thinks that they're in it as well. But I think Penn State has elevated themselves to at least be in that mix, get an official visit. He's got a great relationship with his staff and Phil Troutwine. So um, three guys from Michigan that I could uh, eventually see getting officials. Uh, maybe Dellinger a little bit less than the others. You know, he's not uh, not a talkative guy, not a not a big guy that gets around and all that kind of stuff. But he went down to, down to LSU and loved it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, continue that momentum in Michigan, and I, I'm not sure that they're going to get any of these guys, but uh, they put themselves in a position to be in the mix. Man, your comment on that Michigan that uh, that snowstorm back in mid January hit me kind of hard because I remember thinking. That's probably going to be the biggest setback for Penn State on the recruiting trail in 2020 because, you know, that snowstorm, hard to get to Happy Valley. And, nope, 2020 had had much bigger plans. And, by the way, mid-January feels about two years ago right now. Uh, Drew Kendall is a big name that popped up, Sean. Uh, for me, at least, among these recent 2021 offers, we're seeing a lot more 2022 offers than 21s. But this is one that, that, that came through last week out of Massachusetts. Boston College, uh, obviously a big player here, and that's where Phil Troutwine just came from. Uh, the kid's considered a top ten guard. He's got some impressive football DNA, and you know Penn State. You know, uh, feels like if they could have him on campus, those plans would be set by now. Yeah, I mean, that's. I don't know if they'd be set by now. Um, I think that. You know, Penn State's probably trailing a little bit uh, later off for a guy that, uh, you know, he, he had the relationship with, but maybe would have thought he was one, like, th- this is one when, when he was hired back in January, when Phil Troutwine was hired back in January, you thought that, okay, I'm, I'm going to watch Drew Kendall now because he's been recruiting him so long. He's got that relationship. We'll see that offer come out soon. But uh, yeah, this is uh, Pete Kendall's kid. He played a hundred and started 188 games in the NFL uh, out of Boston College. So a lot of ties back there. There. Obviously, you know, Boston College, no matter who the staff is there, does well with offensive linemen, does well in that little that little bubble that's up there. They often take uh, some of those uh, Boston kids and develop them into NFL prospects. So I think, uh, you know, Boston College still a strong player there. He's still getting accustomed to to that new staff. Michigan has made a run there. They took his teammate, the linebacker, um, as, a, as a commit. So Michigan's making some noise there. But uh, yeah, you want to get Drew Kendall down as soon as you possibly can i know that interior guys are you know not at the premium that tackles are but this is a top 100 kid on 24 7 sports he he can play a little bit at tight end you know where do we start there's a lot going on here you lost the commitment five six weeks ago uh from nick elksness down in jacksonville uh, he's moved on to florida penn state's moved on to a lot uh brock bowers thomas fedone terrence ferguson uh moliki matavao which is hopefully going to get easier to say if we keep talking about him. And then Jack Pugh, all those guys, five guys who are four-star prospects at tight end in composite rankings, have listed Penn State among their top schools since Elksness left this class. So there's a lot cooking there. Um, you start your list with Bowers and Matavao, but um, do you see significant separation between these guys in terms of interest? Elijah Arroyo is another guy you've pointed to, has not released a top list as far as I know. But again, there, there's so many names that have, have reciprocated interest and there's so few visits to report. Yeah, I mean, you, you just take a look at the top, what, 15 tight ends in the country and Penn State's in on a bunch of them. I, it speaks to what Tyler Bowen has done. And at the same time, it speaks to the pool that, that they have as a program right now for tight ends. Of course, Fryermuth has done well. Mike Gasicki's in the NFL doing well. So you've got a lot going for you at this. I think it's kind of a different speed. And, and we touched on this in the episode earlier this week where you were going to get a bunch of those guys on campus this spring for unofficials. Of course, Brock Bowers was able to make it on his trip. He cut his list down to eight and included Penn State. And uh, Mataveo was uh, was a guy that uh, you could you know see. I think it was late March that he was scheduled. Jack Pugh in Ohio was scheduled for a visit. Elijah Arroyo was going to come in, who they're very high on in Texas, was going to come in for a visit. So there's there's a bunch of high interest across the country with top tight ends because of what Penn State's been able to do. But I don't know that you feel close on any of those guys. I think they're in the top 
maybe three for, for Brock Bowers. I feel the same way about Matavea. That's why I listed those, these two on here. But, I mean, they're just top five, top six, top eight. Just Penn State keeps popping up with these top tight ends. Like I said, it's a testament to the relationship with Tyler Bowen, but I just think there's a ton of interest there. And some of these guys, and we saw it last cycle, are going to filter to a set number of programs that have done very well with the tight end and some that haven't done the haven't done well with the tight end but they still you know have a pool as a program and Penn State's in in a spot where they can you know eventually decide who they want to get on officials press one of the, one or two of those guys and see where they're standing from there still think they're going to get a good tight end in this class just don't know who it's going to be did we throw enough names at you okay good because we have more Gunner Helm Landon King Aaron Outley Three new members of the tight end target board, all offered on Wednesday. Helm out of Colorado, King out of Texas, Outley out of Arkansas. So the the search becomes more expansive, Sean. And my question at this point is, two of the last three cycles, they come away with multiple tight ends. Uh, In 2019, they signed only Brenton Strange. My question for you is, realistically, two tight end class again? I mean, there's just so many names right now scattered about. I think it would only be a two tight end class if you couldn't turn away the second guy. You know, if if Brock Bowers and and Maliki Mataveo uh, wanted to get in, you know, you, you can't say no to that. But no, I see it as a you know as tight as they are with numbers. You're looking at one tight end, one running back. Um, you know, back to one quarterback. So I, I I don't see that happening. I know they were still recruiting other guys when they had Nick Elksness, uh committed, and I think that's part of what where your question stems from. But no, I think it's just going to end up with one guy in this class, and maybe when you get a little bit more leniency or leniency. Yeah. I don't even know what that word would be. Uh, when you get a little bit more space with uh, to work with, then you go back to two. Um, and it's funny because you, you take a look at the 24-7 sports rankings. Penn State offered the number 15 tight end in the country, Max Llewellyn out of Iowa, and they offered him as a defensive end. So, you know, they're, they're, they're covering the board, no doubt about it, uh, even, even if they have to offer them as defensive players. Max Llewellyn out of Iowa, a kid I got to speak with on Thursday. And and yes, he is labeled currently as a tight end and has drawn college interest at tight end. Uh, But Penn State sees him as a defensive end. And this is a spot, really the entire defensive front, with a first-year coach in John Scott Jr. replacing one of the original members of James Franklin's Nittany Lions staff, Sean Spencer. We still have a lot of unaddressed uh, questions there. And and there are no commitments on board yet at any defensive line position. This is a kid, though, it sounds like he's on a fast track comparatively to, to some of the other names we have talked about. Still targeting a, a late June commitment. Uh, certainly would schedule an official visit to Penn State. He says that's a priority for him. Still wondering when he can schedule an official visit to Penn State. Uh, this is one where, where there are you know a bunch of new offers in the past couple weeks. But I can tell you this. Uh, the Nettie Lines were in communication f- for a few weeks. They offered, I think, earlier than he expected. Him and his family are excited. He's done his research on the business school. Uh, and I think, in general, uh, he-, he appreciates the prestige that Penn State presents. And, you know, to this point, this is a kid who, you know, th- you're not looking at a draw to the south. There's not a bunch of SEC teams banging the drum to get him down on campus. But turn on that film. There's a lot to like about this kid as an athlete, as a competitor, and for a defensive end position that right now, again, there are some serious question marks about what Penn State's going to do there. Yeah, I mean, you look at the region, it's not that great. And, and you know, they just had another target kind of go off the board this week. And Elijah Judy from Philadelphia did not include Penn State in his top five. So starting to look elsewhere, you got to cast that net a little wider. I think Llewellyn's a really good uh, example of that. And he's got uh, three crystal ball, or excuse me, he's got one crystal ball pick in for Iowa State, but two of them are foggy, which means something changed at some point. Uh, I think Iowa may have been the, the first pick for some of these guys. So something changed at some point. He's a good player. I was talking to Tom Loy about him uh, yesterday a little bit. Loy took him in our in our draft, our fantasy uh, expert draft or whatever you want to call it, as, as a, a tight, tight end. end. Yeah, yeah, he took him as a tight end. He said he's really high on him at tight end. I said, well, Penn State likes him at defensive end. He said he could see it. But, you know, it's uh, if you're getting D1 looks or Big Ten looks at both of these, especially from a school uh, like Penn State or like Iowa, you know, you've got something there. It's it's funny. We talk that That's the sort of the benchmark when we talk about defensive end offers in the mid 
West was, hey, Iowa takes this guy's Iowa, you know, was the uh, other finalist for Bryce Mostella takes these big guys, these uh, these huge frames, and develops them into 265, 270-pound defensive ends. And, you know, maybe this is another one of those guys. And, you know, <laughs> I think I said it a couple times in my draft because I drafted two Iowa offensive line commits on my team is – Iowa does a really, really good job of evaluating in the trenches. So if they're looking at them, if they're doing that, and you don't want to be a copycat, but if they're doing that, they're probably, uh, chances are you're probably doing the right thing. Something I was surprised to see, Sean, with Llewellyn, and I, th- I think you are too, um, Iowa did not offer on, until the, uh, in the last couple of weeks. They're, they're part of this streak of offers he's gotten since the final week of March. Penn State, Iowa, Kansas State, Michigan State, Missouri, Nebraska, Northwestern. Big Ten, Midwest, again, not not you're not talking about an SEC kind of kid, uh, ACC. As of now, those offers are not piling up for him, but locally they are. And, and I was surprised that Iowa wouldn't be in on a kid like that earlier. And I think uh, that probably helps Penn State. He doesn't have a track record, an established foundation. I, I mean, he may have found his way to campus a time or two. I'm not sure on that. We didn't really talk Hawkeyes, but he, you know, it's not like there's a long thing where, where unless someone convinces him to, to leave the state, he's staying. Uh, so it'll be interesting. He wants to get to campus, as I said, and he's another name to know as we've spent a lot of time here talking about the targets and the commitments for 2021 as, as things are really starting to get rolling. Um, we've, we've, again, we've talked a lot for this. We're, we're an hour plus on the show. Anything else we'd like to add to cap off what has been a seriously very busy week uh, for Penn State and up on lines 24-7? So the second second episode of the week that we set out to do like 20, 25 <laughs> minutes, and we're going to go over an hour for both of them. So fantastic, uh, I guess, uh, BSing for us. Um, we can, I guess, fill words and do that uh, via the podcast. But really, just goes back to we're glad you're listening. Uh, we hope that we can provide a distraction at this point. I said it in the chat yesterday. Hopefully mowing season's good for our numbers, and, and we can get you through uh, some of your mowing in the yard. Of course, I'm um, looking outside and it's snowing right now because (laughs) state college in april why not you know um but no we appreciate everybody reading um checking out our stuff because uh you know we're fortunate to 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 have jobs right now where we can do this and and be that and i'm going to keep saying that probably on every episode because i feel so fortunate to be able to do this um but thanks for listening thanks for reading and yeah i guess we'll be back next week we'll see where the class stands at that maybe they'll have five more commits by next week who knows yeah, I echo everything you said, Sean. I'm really appreciative of, of everything we've got cooking from a business perspective with our with everything at 24-7 Sports and, and the, the work that's being put in there, but especially with, with the fans uh, of Penn State who are, you know, following on through every word we write and talk and uh that makes a huge huge difference and, and, and following oh, every word we don't say and everything that we say between those words so thanks for thanks for that as well i know somebody's yes. gonna say something about my <laughs> five commits by next week thing so uh just figured i'd get out ahead of that one yeah can you do me a favor power rank them in terms of percentage of likelihood of committing before the next episode and get that up on the site uh, i'll let you go handle that we're going to be back next week. We're going to try, barring those five commitments, to get a little bit more focus on the actual 2020 roster for Penn State, talk about some potential defensive breakouts. Uh, we'll, we'll address some interviews we had this week with Tim Banks, safeties coach, Kirk Sharaka, the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, uh, and other stuff regarding the current team. But uh, as long as the recruiting momentum keeps coming, it's going to give us uh, stuff to veer towards there as well. So thanks for listening. Go check out all of our coverage on Lions 24-7 from each of these commitments a ton of stuff up from the week we'll continue that into the weekend for now stepping aside on behalf of sean fitz this is tyler donahue you've been listening to the lions 24 7 podcast